All right, are we good? Yeah, I think we are. We're better than good. What's up? Welcome to We're great. <laughs> we almost got there. <laughs> What's up? Welcome to a new episode of Movie Schmovie. This is episode number 269. My name is Steve, and I am here with... Ryan. And John. There they are. So good. So good. You never know the difference anyway, because you can just edit it out, but I just love watching it work live. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, you just got moody. I know. My, you you, know, you want to know what that was? <laughs> Little behind the scenes on the podcast? That's called Your Wife Says the Alexa Skill Good Night, and all the lights in the house turn off. Oh, this is total. You you really became a shot. We were yeah. saying before we started recording that these Zoom calls. We've seen enough of these these horror movies that try to use the the format, the visual format right. of a Zoom call or a, or a Skype chat to to create scares. That now it's hard not to think that we are you know asking for it, talking about horror movies so much and being on one of these calls. But Steve, you just you're you're like your whole uh, mise en scene. <laughs> Just became a lot creepier. <clears throat> yeah, yeah. That's called, I want to learn French. That's sorry. Oh yeah, that's fun French. <laughs> yeah. He said some French. That's a yes. That's a that's a film term, Ronald. It means the the miz of the scene. <laughs> you know, mise en scene is like the the full arrangement, isn't that? Like yeah. all the uh, the set dressing and the lighting and everything all together. Right, the way right, that gotcha, it got you. Got you. Yeah, we have to say yeah. You know, you have to get that little get that grunt, in snot, snot, Yeah, that's not in there. Yeah, <clears throat> how you guys been, man? We've uh, we 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 managed to kind of get through our vacations with a lot of docked episodes. So now we're yeah. together, timed up again, and uh, you guys doing all right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, it was man. weird. But once we got to like week three of not recording, I realized how much I had come to depend on the the kind of uh, pressure release valve of uh, of our weekly conversation. So yeah, I've missed uh, chatting with you guys. <clears throat> we missed a lot, man. We met, well, one of the things I did want to say is rest in peace, Chadwick Boseman. I mean, we, mm -hmm. we didn't really get the, a chance to talk about that, man. I was pretty devastated. I'm actually very happy that we didn't record as quickly as uh, the news came out. You know, I didn't really get a chance to, like, sit down and think because I was, like, kind of wrecked. Right. I right. think, you know, watching the films, he meant a lot to uh, all of us and in in really interesting ways you know this guy came and represented so much you know just the ideological change in the way that business had been done over there disney um he was such a cool character um uh black panther coming but then chadwick boseman also a great guy in his media run i think all of us kind of fell in love with who he was as a person like it just is crazy and and there's more things coming out as he, you know, as the the weeks pass, like him being in the Tupac Broadway, uh, uh, off Broadway was it off Broadway? Maybe it was off Broadway. But there's a Tupac Broadway um, thing where he's rapping a verse from a Tupac song. There's like clips of interviews that have been coming out that are just so his singing, really nice. His uh, his connection with Denzel Washington, that story is really crazy yeah. and poignant and with the kind of thing that you only put together if someone who sort of sponsors you, if you go on to be a success and can yeah. walk up to them one day and say, oh, by the way, I mean, it may have been more than a, a name on a check to, to Denzel, but right. even if it wasn't, it's the kind of thing that, that celebrities with a little clout and, and some 
money do, you know? So it's cool for that to kind of, to, I don't know, for that loop to get closed for those, those guys and that story to come out. I would say, yeah, you, you mentioned what a cool character Black Panther is. And I, I, I kind of came to that after I went through the gamut of emotion, losing this super talented, uh, bright, I don't know. There was something about his presence that just uh, like brought things together. I think that he so often was not the flashiest thing about the cast he was in. We said this about Black Panther. We said this after The Five Bloods right, right. that his he's almost had this calming centeredness to him that allowed other people to to take the st center stage without him losing any of his uh, kind of star power. There's something magical about someone with a talent like that, but also a guy who, you know, you hear his story and he busted his ass to get where he was and, and all the, the things he was doing that are, that are charitable or philanthropic or just that seem to be a recognition on his part of his unique place, you know, yeah. in, um, in film history in pop cultural history, the fact that he played so many important <gasps> figures, there's just insane, something about yeah. that guy. And in, in such a short time, he made such a difference. And then, uh, when I was away uh, for this uh, socially distanced getaway that we did with our family, and my son was like, you know, he wanted to watch some Marvel movies. And it, I, re I realized that it's been about a year since I have really dug deep into those movies or watched a few of them. And so he had a few of them on. And every time Chadwick Boseman came on the screen, it was just this moment of like, oh, like I felt this pull of sadness for like what we've lost as a human being. But also um, that character really was cool and there really was something untapped completely untapped yeah. about it and i don't know if you heard ryan coogler's statement but he said this one thing in there that really stuck with me just as a film nerd he said i've spent the last year writing words for chadwick boseman to say that we weren't destined to hear yeah. and that just that's I mean, that to me summed up a lot of how we all feel about where he was in his career. It's not about like what's Marvel going to do or what Ryan Coogler is going to do. It's just about somebody who was clearly unfinished in terms of what they were capable of. Um, uh, and, and yeah, it's all good. I mean, it, it's all good. The guy was amazing. Yeah. Yeah, it's kind of like it's it, it's one of those things where um, and it's a kind of a rare thing, even though it's a very sad thing. It's 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 a I think it's telling that when something like this happens and you you immediately feel the world shake a little bit you know and not just among your friends like you can look on whatever social media you're on whatever network of tv you're watching but like there are you know there's a lot of loss in this world and especially like you know in the entertainment industry as a whole when they talk about people leaving and the legacy they left and you know their body of work in general but i feel like it's kind of rare that there's a moment like this where everyone you know <clears throat> knows it happened and like is is immediately wanting to like talk about it because of the impact he had on the entertainment industry on you know this country on the world on you know just the marvel franchise you know just in terms of the character he brought to the screen the representation he brought to the screen and it it literally felt like the world shook a little bit that night like when we were talking about it the night it happened like mm -hmm. literally you know i don't know if, i'm sure you guys were the same way like just talking to all my friends like can you believe this like it's just it's it's just one of those rare things where it just you really really feel it because you know how much not only the character of Black Panther meant to so many people but also just you know a talent like that and you know just the kind of person he seemed like he was and when you find out about you know the battle he undertook himself and you know all of it kind of being pretty it seems to be pretty secretive and like just private which I, you know, that's a lot of respect to be paid there. But um, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things that even in the weeks since, it's been a couple of weeks now, and 
Like I was just talking to Aaron last night about it, and it just keeps popping up in my head. Like I can't believe that yeah. somebody like that is no longer here because it, it's it's one of those rare performances, you know, one of those rare just that presence, you know, even when you first saw that character in Civil War and and even him as an actor in other films, you know, I mean, what a what a wild uh, filmography to look through in terms of the iconic characters he was able to play and selected to play. Like he he chose very interesting roles and had a very good taste for what he wanted to put into the world as a performer. And yeah, it's it's a huge loss and it's really sad and um yeah, I don't know. It's just like you look across the world and you just kind of can see the ripple effect of something like that. And coming from a Hollywood movie, it's not the most common thing, but it's like a reminder that like he as an actor, that is a character, that is a film as a movement was a rare thing. And, you know, to be the linchpin in that and to have been, you know, to lose that, it's um it's incredibly sad and, you know, it's um it's a huge loss. So yeah. Well, I think that's what I meant about finally seeing those movies again and seeing that character come on screen. It was like, oh yeah, he's a he's a superstar. He's yeah. like James Dean or yeah. Humphrey Bogart or something like that. It's just you feel the energy, you see the presence, yeah. and you're like, oh yeah, that's a he's a name now. Like it's you know for better or for worse, uh, when somebody dies so early in their career, sometimes people really piece through what's there, you know, to try to stitch together a legend. Yeah. And he's someone who really did do a lot. Uh, and not just a lot in his career, but a lot in the short time during which he knew he was sick. Um, <clears throat> and I'm even wondering how the, the plans to work on Black Panther 2 or whatever that were coming up, how they would have manifest, because the recent sightings of the guy, you know, he definitely seemed like... He, I saw where people were saying he's been criticized, you know, and I didn't see any of that. Luckily, people criticizing him for losing weight, not making rumors about why he was doing that. But, um, you know, it, it. I do think people maybe thought he was losing weight for a role or something like right. that, but it was being kept totally secret. And you do wonder how, like, how someone like Ryan Coogler or someone like that would have even felt about putting someone who was going through what he was going through into a situation where he was going to be taxed. Sure. But the truth is, he was sick while he was doing the stuff we've seen him do, yeah. and he was super credible. And never once did you did you even think that that was going on. Yeah. So, I mean, I respect the secrecy too, but it's it that's got to be a complicated thing to maintain uh, when you are. Uh, you know, a, a part of a giant machine like <laughs> the MCU or yeah. any movie, really, um, uh, putting that forward. So, yeah, he was a guy who seemed like he had a lot a lot on his mind the whole time we knew him. Yeah, man. Um, I, I mean, I talk about this stuff a lot, and I guess I'll end my piece with this. Um, you know, I talk a lot about representation and how important it is. And, you know, just thinking about my life, and every hero that I wish that I was up until Blade was white. Yeah. I mean, for real, like Batman, all the Batmans, all the, you know, all these cool characters that were absolutely nothing to take away from them. But, you know, when Blade came and then Black Panther came, it was just something different for me. Like yeah. it was like, and, so uh, one of the complaints I got when Black Panther came out was like he kind of was very calm. He was like almost too calm, maybe bordering on boring to some people. And that to me was fucking amazing because he had this calm about him that normally isn't represented with black characters. Sure. Just like cool, calm, collected. And confident. Yeah, confident, had his shit together. He was a yeah. king. 
You know what I mean? Like, I, I think yeah. that's how a person would move if they didn't have anything to prove necessarily. Right. And I think there's something really cool about seeing somebody like that on, on screen. For me and people that look like me, as well as people who don't look like me, to see a person that could be black and cool and great and of substance and power, come on, man. It's 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 immeasurable how much that could affect people. He's a king who's also basically James Bond, <laughs> and he can kick everyone's ass. And he's got, like, this amazing backup team, you know? So it's like, yeah, there's... there's I, I love the stories you hear now about people that worked with him and talk about how serious he was about, like, just what was going on in that movie or what was going on with that character that he wanted to to bring to people that he always, it sounds like he was a guy who had, who had real ideas yeah. about what he was trying to do. <clears throat> I don't want to dwell over much on black Panther, but that's a performance you hear people talking a lot about. And, yeah. and Ryan Coogler, it's just, it sounds like it was a real collaboration between those guys about like, who was this person going to be? And as you said, Ronald, what does he represent? But beyond what does he represent? How does he fit into this world, this kind of pulpy world? And yeah. the fact that, I think you mentioned it, Steve, that when we first saw him in Civil War, I mean, everybody went like, oh, yeah. oh, yeah. okay. And then it was like, got it. Now I want to see Black Panther. I think that's what everybody said after 100%. that movie. It was like, all right, now give me Black Panther. And yeah. that is 100% Chadwick Boseman's uh, quality uh, as a performer, as a person, what he's able to bring to that character. Um, you know, and again, other things I haven't seen all of them, but the things I've seen him in, he, you, you, even if you didn't know him from some big movie like Black Panther, you would notice this this person. He just had that that face. Yeah, it's a huge loss. Yeah, man. Very sad. Rest He's got a few peace. movies in the can, right? That are that are still going to come out, or is, have we seen the last of his there's, performances? There's one that's still to come out. I know. I think the Five Bloods, and then I can't remember the last movie that he has. I want to say it's it may be another Netflix movie. Um, that is finished or was finished, and I think it's supposed to come out this fall or winter. I don't remember what the oh, name wow. of it was though, but I remember, yeah, like it was a bunch of the interviews I was listening to. They did mention there was one more movie <clears throat> that he had shot. Um, I want to say it had like Ma something in the in the name. I'm looking it up right now. now I'm just curious. Yeah, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Yeah. I've heard um, I've heard that name. I guess that's what. Yeah, that I know was about that it. was finished, but I I think that might have been a ne another Netflix one. I could have sworn there were two, but like I said, I can't. I know. Yeah, there the were some in so. production that he was attached to, but I don't think anything else was shot. But I don't know. Maybe I, I know the Five Bloods and this Ma Rainey's Black Bottom was the last two that I had seen. But I don't know, man. It's just a it's a really sad thing, and. Uh, you can't help you can't help but get a little un, you know un, unsettled a bit when you think about the impact and like you see all these videos of like little kids like with their figures like knocked over and stuff like that like that like literally made me cry looking at these posts of these kids have you seen these like yes. the kids yeah, like you know yeah. with black panther like laying down and all the figurines around him like that's that's heavy stuff man like especially because kids. it's kids yeah a kid right like yeah. for, the, for them to take in i mean henry you know he's 12 and he's he's seen you know enough death in the real world or just he knows about it to where it wasn't like the first sure. significant time but it was maybe for him and from my perspective definitely this is maybe the biggest celebrity of his quote-unquote generation you know that like we 
we discovered who Chadwick Boseman was basically together yep. <laughs> when when he came into the uh, Marvel movies. So um, it it was something that mattered to him. You know, like I think he does like those actors, and he's branched out into other things. So like any of those people who have left a mark on his imagination in that sure. way. Um, I think that it is sort of like, it is a sad thing because, I mean, the kids with the action figures kind of spells it out because in our minds, it's like, well, this is Black Panther that died too, yeah. right? Yeah. He is that character. So, I mean, again, not to be overly concerned with what a giant film studio is going to do. I, I have... I have no idea what you could do. You can't replace that character, but you've got a, a lot of opportunity around that character to honor honor both yeah. the fictional character and the real man um, if you do it tastefully. Uh, but uh, it, yeah, that, what a crazy uh, problem to try to fix. You know, if you yeah. if you're sitting there making Black Panther two, it's like, well, you still have these other amazing performers that are as, as a, a huge part of why people love the first movie, but. Yeah, yeah. It, it seems like this is Chadwick Boseman's kingdom, and it literally was. So I don't know. There's, it's it is weird. It's like there, you can't really replace that. You can't just turn around and say, okay, who else can play this character because he so fully became it. Yeah, yeah. Well, rest in peace, man. Yeah, rest in peace. Um, so what have we been doing? What have we been watching? That's because I feel like. We what are, what are, we have quite. We've a... been so scattered. People that don't know, yeah, we the last three weeks were recorded uh, about three weeks ago. So <clears throat> we haven't seen anything. Uh, we haven't talked about the things we've seen in in, in almost that that long three weeks. So mm-hmm. I've not seen much that's new. I watched a lot of older television. We've continued our Last Man on Earth rewatch, and Henry started doing an Adventure Time rewatch from the beginning, which for him is like a nostalgic blast from his childhood. <laughs> <laughs> but for me, it's a great opportunity to try to keep up with the. Story storyline on that show which is amazing i mean i always have known it was great but i i love being able to actually sit down and and you know get a coherent understanding of the continuity of it so yeah. that's been pretty absorbing um i feel like there's other things i've been watching and maybe something i've watched that we can't talk about yet uh but um yeah uh, I've, I've seen one big thing which was the charlie kaufman uh, netflix flick uh what's it called uh, oh i'm yeah. thinking of ending things i saw that so did you see that ronald yeah, yeah. uh Yes, <laughs> I would. Lo- I, I didn't see it, but I would love for you guys to tell me. I mean, why don't you take a second and talk about um, it? Because I, I didn't see it yet. I know you mentioned wanting to talk about it. Well, what did you think of it, Ronald? I mean, because I feel like it's hard not to get since Steve hasn't seen it. We won't spoil, and but yeah. it's hard to talk about certain things without getting into what this movie actually is. But I do think yeah. I have some sort of broad thoughts that I could, I could possibly make sense of it's it's a charlie kaufman movie steve in the sense that you don't really know what you've seen until it gets to the end you know yeah and then you can decide if he strung you along or not you know if this (laughs) if this story is worth the time you spent wondering exactly what's going on because there's always you know humor and uh, an interesting perspective and he, he usually gets actors to do interesting things there's always enough to interest you in his movies but um you know his directorial efforts in particular have been have been uh, you know there's it's like he he wallows in a certain amount of unpleasantness that i think is um a bit of a test for an audience in some ways and this movie continued in that in that vein for me of like okay two hours and 15 minutes okay, I'm going to dive in and do this. And the fact that it has a lot of great filmmaking and a lot of great acting and some really interesting things going on cinematically within that, um, I did find myself thinking, I wonder if Steve would hate this. Like, the, I, the Yes, that's I exactly what I... That's, so, I, yeah. I Love it. Steve likes all sorts of movies. 
Yeah. But I know there's like a threshold that he has for like when something gets too artsy. I would even say, I would even give Steve more credit than that. I don't think it's when it's artsy. I think it's when it's too up its own ass. That's it. I think that Steve feels like yes. if, yes. The, if the filmmaker, yes. and I've even disagreed at times with where Steve draws that line of like, <laughs> I like, of like, when of he like draws th this movie could only be entertaining to someone who's like patting themselves on right. the back for getting yeah. it, you know? And I think sometimes, I think it's a, that's a little unfair. I think that a lot of times people assume that something that's artsy is, is like gloating in its artsiness when it might actually just be this is the way this person chose to tell a story but you can't help but feel sometimes when a movie is like failing to give you what it's setting you up to want that like th that's a bit of a pet peeve of yeah. mine is when a movie's like oh you thought you were watching a comedy but you're not or you thought you were watching a romance but you're not i get i get the impulse cinematically to kind of you know mess with the audience but i find myself wanting sometimes a movie to pay off the things that it's setting up and i would say in my broadest sense uh, if i have a criticism of this movie it's that there's a moment where it pivots from something that it seems to be setting up and i don't even dislike what they do necessarily i just found myself going okay so then i have watched two hours of of imagination time not a story not a, yeah, yeah. A, a real attempt to even reckon with a, a genre which i thought this was charlie kaufman's kind of straight horror movie in some ways it is right. it, and his movies have always had horror elements his his stuff about memory and identity it's always got it's always linked to themes of horror you know so this could have been that ratcheted up version but it happens to also be one of those one of those diffuse narratives that that takes a hairpin turn at, at a point where you're getting into it you know yeah. um and you go oh, okay i see what you're doing but i was really intrigued by what i thought might be happening here or here or here at different points and when you have the world of imagination you're going to have characters ronald who are reduced to being figments of someone's imagination and i find figments of someone's imagination to be just about the the biggest time waster of my <laughs> cinematic life of just watching a movie to find out those weren't characters. And I'm not saying that's what's happening throughout this movie, but there are moments where you wonder about the reality and the perspective and you go, wait, is this a character or is this someone's idea of a character? Is this all in someone's head? Um, I, I, I really don't like that stuff typically, not because it messes with me, but just because I almost feel like it's cheap on a narrative level right. to make everything be... Um, a construct, you know. I know it's a construct. You wrote it and filmed it and put it on a screen. <laughs> I'm going to see it. I don't know, but but I also recognize there have been some great stories that have done that have broken reality in that way. So I'm not I'm not like a hardliner, but it's a pet peeve. I just don't think that if you can't tell a story, if there isn't a beginning, middle, and end. So he, I, this is the here's my <laughs> issue, right? If you call it a movie. And, and you want to tell a story. I say if we want to tell a story, right? At some point, there has to be some coherent beginning, middle, and end. Whatever happens within that, I'm fine with, right? Mm -hmm. But to to dick around with, like, <laughs> to, to bloat the movie with, like, random loving, I'm loving this already. I can't wait. Staring into the screen and just... You know what it feels like? You know what it feels like? You, you know what you know what this movie did to me? What? There's a scene in one of the Guy Ritchie movies, the one that went like that didn't come out in America, the one with Andre three thousand. It has like uh um it's it's like about the ego. It's about the ego. Uh hold on, let me it's a Guy Ritchie movie, sorry. I need I need I need to find out the name of this for for 
to tell you what it, what I'm talking about. Okay, Richie. All right, sorry. Scrolling, 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 scrolling. Scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. All right, there was a movie called Revolver, right? Oh, right, Yes. Right. Okay, so there's a scene where... Yeah, eventually, but like it was like uh, like quite a bit of time between when it came out in, uh, in the UK and when it came out here. So there's a scene where Jake... Um, who's played by Jason Statham is in a a uh, elevator with Ray Liotta's character. His name is Dorothy. Very very interesting character. They're talking to each other, and Ray Liotta is this big character, right? He's like this big tough guy. As a point where once Jake's character gets comfortable with the idea of dying and fighting and all this stuff. He's no longer scared of Ray Liotta. And Ray Liotta gets very angry. Like, scared, though. Like, it's like absolute fear. These movies do something to me like that. Like, almost like I'm trying to fight to figure out what it is. I don't mind wondering what it is. I just like finding out what it is and going like, oh, interesting. That's a story. I don't like getting to the end and going, I think I know what happened. I guess I'll read some articles and, and see what <laughs> I can find out. That's the best movie is where you need to read an article to understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. Okay. You remember when we saw that fucking movie and it had a guide? It had a fucking fold-out guide with the character names. Oh, that was uh, Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. Tinker Taylor Soldier Spy. It felt like I needed a guide to watch this movie. And that's <laughs> when I started to get really angry. It was like a point where I'm like, I, can't, I, I don't want this to mess with me the way that it is. And and I get what's happening. I get that there's some like, some some perception of something like happening that's coming to an end. I want to stress there are moments and, and bits of acting. And even some of those scenes you're talking about, Ronald, where it takes a turn and the scene lasts really long. There's some really cool filmmaking going on within those scenes as far as like, here's a conversation that's happening in a car ride. And it, you, you hang out in this car for a really long time and you get lots of ins and outs. And there is something, it allows you to sort of feel the suspense and the kind of creep factor of being on a road trip with somebody who you're in a relationship with and... And uh, and you're not seeing eye to eye, or or of being a person who's going out. Someone's taking you out to a place to be with their family, yeah. and you're kind of getting more and more remote. And you're thinking, well, this relationship's basically already over. I'm doing this to be nice, and that such that really complicates all of their interactions. I would say that uh, Jesse Buckley and Jesse Plemons are great in this movie. They both really are 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 terrific. So no, it's a it's a really cool psychological setup, and I think they do manage to pay off a lot of that stuff in an interesting way. However, once you start getting deeper into it and you start going, what's really going on here? You know, I I personally find where it goes to be a lot less interesting than than where it starts. So um but I get it. And I also think that David Thewlis and Tony Collette are doing a great job of being like they seem like really friendly people, but they also seem like human glitches in the Matrix, you know? And and <laughs> the things they say are just weird. And they give each line delivery this weird, is he threatening or is he is is this guy dumb or is he malevolent? You know, I mean, it's they're 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 great in those roles. Um, it's just, yeah, the movie is kind of a I don't know. I don't know that it's unsatisfying. It might be that it just never would have been my favorite thing. But I think there is something about this movie that when it gets to the very end, you go, oh, okay, it's over. Not like, wow, you know. Yikes. 
Sounds good. You, do you agree, Ronald? Did I say anything that uh, that set your teeth on edge? <laughs> oh man, it was. I agree. I agree. I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, ever in my life. Uh, yeah, it was. It was a challenging movie, man, to say the very least. And and what's weird is like, you know, just to get a gauge, I'll go to like Rotten Tomatoes, and the critics love this movie, man. I fuck that movie. We need to finish this up so I can go watch it tonight. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yes, yeah, it's fallen yeah. down. It's oh, fallen down yeah. in the queue. It's lost its spot. Yeah. <laughs> down three spots this week. <laughs> is I'm thinking of ending things. <laughs> See, I think in a general, it's, there are people that I would recommend it to, but I would. I just. I feel like Steve. You know, from what we know and from what we've said, it doesn't sound like we're we're trying to twist your arm into rushing to the, watch this the movie. The thing it has going for it is I really do love every single actor and actress yes. involved in the movie, like across and, the and board. And they are truly great. And I, oh, and yeah. truly great. I would love to watch anything with, you know, Jesse and Plemons and Buckley together. Like, I, I, I love both of them. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I'm going to still check it out. But it, it's what you're saying is right in line with what I kind of sort of expected and some of the general, like, feedback I'd seen from some people that I, that I knew had seen it and some critics that I follow. But, yeah, I'll check back with you guys once I check it out and let you know. I have no doubt that you're right, though. It sounds it. <laughs> um, I wanted to mention, I, I did, I mean, I watched a couple new releases, I guess. Uh, I think since we, yeah, I think the week we recorded it, a doc came out that week on HBO Max called Class Action Park. Did you guys watch this, anybody? Yes. No, no I've, I've heard about it, though. Sounds good. I watched yeah. it, man. I, I I love this documentary. Um, it's not something I want to say. I love the, the the topic or like you know what this park was or you know what this guy did who the owner and you know who was pretty. It seems to be a pretty irresponsible businessman and a little shady and you know um, that was standing. I mean, like just a really I thought a really well constructed doc, like just kind of giving you enough of the things that most people probably watching it knew about what what was you know. Action Park, you know, over the years has kind of gotten some attention because of there's a couple shorts about it, and it had been there was an article about it on um, was it Variety? I forget what what they had a big article on it a couple years ago, and Johnny Knoxville made a movie that's kind of based around it, and you know this doc came out, and I actually think they may be working on a feature for it, but just the idea of what this park was and just kind of what it represented in the 80s and early 90s. For kids, you know, growing up that are of our age or in our ba- the ballpark of our age, it just was really interesting watching it. Uh, you know, I didn't live, I, I, I've never lived near Class Act or Action Park. We, we have friends, mutual friends that did. And, you know, when I posted it on Facebook, a lot of them were like commenting that, you know, they went there all the time as kids and like that was their family getaway. And knowing that watching this, it's just like, it's like what the fuck, you know, like but oh that God. that's me saying that in 2020 as a parent right now. That's not me saying it as what would have been a 12 or 14 year old boy in the late, you know, in the early 90s been like, "Yeah, let's go right now." You know, because it just seemed like such a, you know, counterculture type of theme park and, you know, just to kind of the the attractions they had there, the rides they had there were just kind of absolutely bonkers and it's the doc is really entertaining only you know in the sense that it's talking to a lot of former park employees to some comedians and celebrities that had been there that grew up in the area so you get some context of you know what these rides were and what this park meant to them you know and these are people that are you know of around our age 
Um, so it was it was just a really entertaining, but it was also really interesting to hear about just you know the the real side of this story. You know, not the good or the bad, but the real point of this story, which is just you know th- this good thing, quote unquote, that existed. You know, that it, it could have only existed then. It seems in in like this magic moment. You know, and you know the effects of it. You know, both financially on a community, on business, on people, the lot like lives lost from people that went to this park because of how many corners were cut, you know, to make it happen and to make it run. And um, I don't know. I just thought it was a really great documentary and uh, one of the better docs I've seen this year. And uh, I saw it was like one of HBO Max's like highest viewed uh, releases like this, I guess, since it launched, which is uh, not surprising because I do think a lot of people know about it now over the last few years from those other things that I mentioned. But um. Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was great. I loved it, man. Um, so my fiance grew up in New Jersey, so wow, Action Park wow. was like a huge part of her childhood. She'd actually mentioned it way before, like back in the day. I was like, "What is this fictitious place you're talking about that you may have made up?" But you know, just the idea that it was so much chaos, and they set up so many crazy things, like the 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 wave pool. I mean, because I remember Wild World yes. and I'm towards DC and people got hurt yeah. in that wave pool too. And when you got so Steve, did you ever go towards the, 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 the wall? Is it yeah, dude. Yes. You did? Horrible, horrible experience. Steve. Yeah, thank you. I'm glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> I remember literally uh somebody like the wave pool had come some this guy smacked into like one part of it towards the side and like was out he was very close to dying and that happened like in front of me and when i saw class action uh, class yeah. action park and i heard about this rape i'm like man i remember the smell the 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 feel of being around so many people you could easily get kind of swallowed in in this chaos and uh the fact that it was manned by a bunch of teenagers <laughs> It's terrifying. <laughs> it's terrifying. It's a really, it's like, it's it's weird, man. I don't know, Steve, if you felt a little conflicted because you're watching this fun, funny thing about these wild, weird rides. And then like, a lot of people died yeah. on our watch. And, you know, I can't, I, I, I'm not going to yeah. talk about yeah. what happened, but some people died. Some people got hurt. Some people got crippled. The fact that you can slide down and hurt your asshole and, you know, going down some of those slides. It was just like a bunch of insane, insane right. things, like yeah. jokes you make about things. And the reality, and the reality is, is that that kind of stuff outside of Action Park, if you think about that generation or that period in time, you know, in terms of like not just theme parks, but just in terms of, uh, you know, they talk a little bit in the doc about like just approaching parenting, you know, like how – how much oversight, you know, you know, kids yeah. in the 80s, like the latchkey kids, you know, that generation of kids that whose parents were way more, you know, yeah, just be home when the sun goes down kind of thing. Yeah, be home when dinner's ready. <laughs> right, like if you hear the bell, you know, yeah. or whatever. And yeah, it, it it's that kind of thing, too. It's like, you know, that, that existed so many places beyond just the theme park. But that's like a really extreme you know, example of where it was put into play and existed for so long. 
and not even really unchecked because like they yeah. got in trouble quite a bit, but they kind of got out of it a lot and they kind of ins and outs and, you know, they made things happen to get around it. So it's not even like they weren't kind of getting caught for it because they were, but they were just very, uh, mm-hmm. I guess, devious in their ways out of it. Um, but yeah, it, that that was one of the things yeah. I kept thinking about. Like I was, like you were just saying, like it did, it did make me remember, like even some theme parks that like you said that were around here. Like I just think overall, like we go to theme parks all the time now, even as adults, and like a lot of the rides and like the safety measures, like it's just a whole different world now. You know, in terms of theme park entertainment, in terms yeah. of the way people parent their kids, and you know, thinking about that type of example. Of like, you know, you saying Aaron grew up around Jersey and, you know, knowing friends that went there regularly. Like, and that time, that was like a good time. You know what I mean? Like that, like that was okay. Yeah, Because absolutely. like, until it wasn't, you know what I mean? And like, that was like, that's the extremity that I guess I'm, I, I was thinking about watching this movie. And I've actually watched it a couple of times. I've like found it super, super entertaining. Say hi to Aaron. She just walked behind me. That's my wife. My beautiful wife, she's 32 weeks pregnant. What's up, girl? Hello. Hello. <laughs> Good thing you have your clothes on, girl. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's just that, that, that idea of, you know, that, that the doc does a really good idea of what I think, like, that park was, which is it's very entertaining, but there's something wrong with it. And, I mean, I think the doc really kind of gets into that in the third act when it talks a little more about – you know, what went wrong in the later, in the later years and, you know, some of the more serious events that happened there that, uh, you know, people will never forget and, you know, families affected, you know, communities affected and things like that. But, uh, yeah, I love the documentary though. I thought it was great. Yeah. I, I, I want to watch it again. I, I definitely agree. HBO, man, HBO max has been putting out some gems. It's just like, I don't know between that and I'm starting to fall in love with Peacock, man. Um, did you see the sitter by any chance? I did. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there was a period in time where the Tonight Show was at its height, and Harry Belafonte hosted that show for an entire week and invited everybody that he loved and cared for. That was yeah. of merit, you know, famous people, and just kind of did things on his own terms. And because, I mean, this kind of spo- spoils some of it, because of the way that it's NBC, right? The way that NBC used to tape yeah. things, they taped over pretty much all but two episodes or something like that. It's crazy how much classic television is lost for that reason just stuff that you hear about and read about and there's no way for there to be a copy of it because because it was uh it predated it predated people being able to record it and they actually didn't keep it you know it's nuts um but it was an incredible documentary man like um harry belafonte uh is just one of those figures that if you know about him you know about how incredible he is but it's very easy and you know this kind of fast food culture to lose yeah uh figures like that in modern times you know he was an astronomical man during that time he was just active he still is but very active in the civil rights movement present he knew malcolm x he knew martin luther king he knew the black panthers he knew all these figures he knew presidents um yeah and a kennedy came on the show and 
And I think the whole point of it was for him to just kind of say, you know, this is who I am and this is who we are and humanize people of all race, shapes and sizes in a way that just was so powerful. And the documentary just did a really good job of showing that. I, Peacock, thank you, Peacock, for giving us a, a copy of the the doc. And it's just, I really enjoyed it, man. I don't how'd you, how'd Yeah, you, that was great. I mean, I think one of the best things the documentary does, like, it, it's not a very long watch either. It's like an hour and 17 minutes. It's pretty short. But I think one of the best things it does in like the first five to 10 minutes is make the viewer feel okay that you did not know this happened. Because, <laughs> because honestly, like we all talking about this yeah. on, on our Facebook threads, like I feel like none of us realized this was a thing, you know, like historically, right. like, and it's part of what you said, Ronald, in terms of like, there not being right. a lot of footage of it and what's there is kind of pieced together. And like, you know, the two episodes that they were able to get were, were from like an audio archivist that did it on his own. And you know, I think it's really important to like, yeah. you know, acknowledge that something that important and that successful is like not known about. And that, and that just is perspective for not just history, but just perspective for, you know, like you said, how fast everything moves now that even over, you know, the decades that have passed, something as monumental as that um, to be on the Johnny Carson, you know, to take his place for a week. You know, to go in with higher ratings in the first night than the Tonight Show had before he went on, and to end the week with the you know where it goes up every show like that's historical, and it it made me feel okay. It made me feel sad that I didn't know it because uh, it does. And watching this documentary and seeing who he yeah. had on, and you know how you were able to see different sides of people, different sides of MLK, you know Bobby Kennedy, like just seeing them be different people than they were in a lot of what their uh, legend shows them to be. And, you know, I only wish we could see entire episodes of all of them because that would be a really great history lesson for many people that probably need it today. And, um, but yeah, the doc is yeah. super, super well-made, very entertaining, a lot of great interviews um, with people you really want to hear from on this topic. And, um, and it's amazing just seeing him talk in this documentary, to see him talk about it himself and what he had to say about, you know, the assassination of MLK and Bobby Kennedy and like what that meant to him and in and, and that time and the importance of having them on his show the week that he was there. Um, yeah, just an absolutely historical thing that I never knew happened. And I'm really glad to have learned about it and to see this documentary. And also just again, like he's a legend and, you know, I, I've known about him for a long time. My grandparents were obsessed with him and... I listened to his music growing up and I don't know, like I, I don't know a ton about him as a man, but hearing him talk in this documentary and you know, how with it he still is and active he still is and how like strong he looks still like, that's mm -hmm. just, that's, that's a legend, you know, like, so to see that on film and, and him take that space and, and be that important in that time. Um, it was awesome. I thought the documentary was great. I don't think I realized how funny Martin Luther King was. That, that was the point he was saying like was, no one no one really did like he's cracking jokes you know like and then like borderline dad jokes but they were really yeah. funny man like he wasn't even that old and he just had this like dad energy to him yeah. and he, had, he yeah. was like <laughs> he was such a funny guy i think i had no idea and i guess maybe i should have known through how witty he was but that doesn't always carry into humor but um yeah it's just a really well done documentary it's just a a feel-good documentary in the middle of 
just a lot of totally. chaos, man. So totally. Yeah, check it out. The sit-in. Peacock on the come up, man. Peacock. They have so much content. Hopefully we'll they get really to cover more stuff. Yeah. Um, what else? What else we got? Did you see You Cannot Kill David Arquette? No, but I really want to watch it. Steve. I have it. I have it. So um, David Arquette, to many people, is responsible for single-handedly ruining wrestling. If you look at the timeline of how things went with WCW, which was owned by uh, Turner um, and aired on the TNT network, many right. people credit David Arquette's entry into that organization with it failing and then eventually being sold to WWE. I mean, this is a well-known fact. It's documented. Sure. If you ask a lot of wrestling people, they'll probably spit on the ground when he comes up. So with that with that context, Dewey did it. Yeah. That's it. That's with that it. context, I came into this documentary a little biased. I I don't hate him, but I do not like him. I did not yeah. like him. Yeah. And then, you know, this guy has a real he has a real love for wrestling. That's that's the first thing you have to know. And he talks about the run that he had that that led to him getting the world championship belt back in the late 90s, right? And then how he he kind of understands the way that people may hate him. But there's this real turning point where he d- decides after years and years of not being active that he wants to legitimately make a run. Like I'm talking wrestling, like practicing in the backyard, getting a trainer, landing on your back a thousand times, getting up, getting slammed. And you watch this man's journey from going to somebody who just wasn't active, sedentary lifestyle, to becoming an active indie wrestler. And it is a feel-good fucking movie, man. Like, it is... You start to fall in love with David Arquette. Like, you could tell. I mean, because, look, man, he talks about how he really feels like Scream and that movie may have led to him kind of the the wrestling movie that he did ready to rumble may have led to people kind of feeling like he was a one note guy and he had range man i don't think that i don't think that he's as bad as uh he was maybe treated but seeing his journey and kind of getting to a place of respect in this world and this wrestling world out of this world man it's a really good documentary i actually bought it um i was gonna rent it i actually wound up buying it and uh we watched it on my birthday um, when we were away at an Airbnb. It's just, it's an incredible documentary. It's, you know, it's, especially if you follow wrestling a little bit, because, you know, he grabs from the 80s. He's like, you know, I watched uh, Andre the Giant fight, you know, Hulk Hogan, and it changed my existence. Like, I remember seeing how big Andre the Giant was and seeing how big, I was like, Hulk Hogan's big. Andre the Giant is bigger than him. And his hands Mm -hmm. could, it it just, in seeing the story that was being told, there's just a a theater to it that um, he's he's a very big fan of. And um, seeing his journey is really interesting, man, because he really tried. Like, it wasn't like, he knew that he would start from the bottom. He knew he'd be hated. So he started literally from, maybe 
the I, I don't know. He could have maybe fought in an alley and it would have been better than the place that he, he first wrestled <laughs> in. The first show that he did when he's trying to come back. Right. But it's really cool, man. And I've been to, a, you know, I have a bunch of friends that are kind of in the business. So seeing this and um, kind of come up story is it's it was authentic, man. You know, because I kind of heard buzz buzzing about him being actually good. Uh, people are like, have you seen David Arquette? He can wrestle his ass off. Like, he's actually pretty good. I'm like, this motherfucker. And then this documentary came out. <laughs> so, yeah. Very, very, very good. I would suggest you see it. Cool. Yeah, I definitely want to watch it. Yes. What about you guys? I really haven't seen much else. So, so I have one I want you guys to watch. I, I don't know if you've seen it yet. I, I, I'm guessing you haven't. But um, it's, it's currently on Amazon Prime. But um, it's called Get Duked. Get duped. Okay. Have you have you heard about this movie? No, or? no I haven't even have heard of this movie. This is wonderful. <laughs> um, so basically, like, it's kind of in the vein of uh, like Shaun of the Dead, Attack oh. the Block, kind of like a comedy thriller, not horror really, but a little less horror, a little more thriller. It's basically about these four, you know, adolescent teens who are like kind of sent on this quest this this uh thing called the the duke of something whatever the mountain is that they go to, the duke of the highlands and it's like this it's basically kind of like a badge for the boy scout type thing like they they're on detention and they get sent on this this journey it through the highlands of scotland where they have to accomplish these tasks to get this award basically to to be able to pass this and there's like this legend of like something in, you know, in the Highlands that like, you know, that's how you have to survive it and all these things. But it's basically a comedy. It's about like, you know, stumbling upon these different situations where they shouldn't be there. You know, there's drugs, there's hip hop, there's... Why are there bunnies uh, on people's shoulders? Sheep farmers, you know, uh, what? There's bunnies on people's shoulders on the poster. Right, there's bunnies. Yeah, there's all <laughs> kinds of crazy shit. But it's kind of just like... It just reminds me of like something that, you know, like um, Edgar Wright or uh, the guy that did, you know, honestly, the dude that did Attack the Block. Um, what's his name? Um, it just gives that it, it, it's that kind of movie where it's kind of like a, it's kind of like a thriller action comedy. But I don't know. Uh, Ricky. Um, no, not Ricky Gervais. Um, oh, my God. I always forget this guy's name. Um Ricky, no, Eddie Izzard, Eddie Izzard, Eddie Izzard is in it. Um, there really isn't anybody else that you recognize. Um, one of the, um, one of the police officers, Kate Dickey, I think you would probably recognize from like, uh, the witch. Most people know her from the witch, but, um, I don't know. It's a little, little indie movie that got picked up on Amazon prime. I had read recently that the filmmaker just signed a development deal with one of the I don't think it was with Blumhouse, but it was with another indie studio or a little mini major, but just a really fun, like well-made, kind of fast-paced, cool soundtrack. It's got the Runder Jewels on the soundtrack. Uh, I don't know, man. It's just It was so fun. I watched it or actually today, and uh, I loved it. It's just, it's just one of those kind of silly kids on a mission uh shit happens it's you know drugs are involved it's funny and uh i always am a fan of all the uh like you know british irish scottish humor and like you know the little in jokes that they all have but 
Um, yes, yeah, on Amazon Prime, Get Duked. Get is a uh, Get Duked. Okay, it's, it's a blast. I really liked it. I just and it's got really good reviews too. It's it's great. I just added it to my watch list. Yeah, same. Uh, what about TV shows? What have we been watching TV show-wise? I've been watching more TV than I thought, and I'm ready to talk about some shit. Let me just say real quick. I've been watching a lot of TV, too. Um, a lot of it has been keeping up with things we probably already talked about. Mm-hmm. I wanted to just mention quickly that we, Aaron and I have finally got around to watching The Umbrella Academy. Have either of you watched that on Netflix? Yeah, I watched the first season. I really liked it. You liked um, it? We went through both seasons. I I, I, I kind of don't love some of the way the second season ends, but I think this is like a real... This is one of Netflix's, like... I think this is like a, a special property for them. I think there's mm. something here... On a few a few episodes back, we talked about like you know, you know Netflix or Amazon or any of these streamers like kind of getting those properties that are like real IP, like that they are going to just mine forever. Yeah. And um, you know, I think John maybe mentioned it like talking about things on the scale of like Lord of the Rings and Harry Potter type things. And I'm not saying that 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 this is on that level, but of their of their shows that are original content that they produce, um. I, I couldn't stop hearing about this. Like everyone I knew was talking about this for like the last couple of months. Yeah, and we kind of put yeah, it. Yeah, when off. the new, when the new season was coming, it definitely had like that surge yes. of, of people buzzing about yeah. it. That told me like even if it's not something I'm watching, I can tell this this people yeah. care about yeah. this show. It's one of those. It's on those levels for Netflix, I think. And I mean, I think uh, I thought it was really good. It's just like really fun. It's kind of like a like a kind of silly. Not silly, uh, uh, second-rate X-Men type of thing. You know, it's like that's the mm-hmm. that's basically the storyline. You know, these kids that are born on the same day are kind of brought together by this very wealthy man to train them and to house them to basically save the world. And um, I, you know, I found it really entertaining and really fun. There's there's enough characters on the screen, enough personalities. I think that it keeps you interested enough for 10, 10 episodes a season. Um, and I'm definitely like I'm I'm in. I can't wait to see what you know. I know it got renewed, so I'm excited to see whatever they do with it next. But that's one that has been like kind of sitting on the back burner for a while that we finally checked off. So cool. Um, yeah, it's good. It's very good. Yeah. So I finished P Valley on Stars, the strip club drama. Please check that show out. It's crazy. Um, I'm watching the the David Schwimmer. Peacock show Intelligence. I know that it's not rated very well on on Rotten Tomatoes, but I don't know if it's I don't know if it's represented very well in the critics sort of circle. Yeah. But um, if you yeah. have you seen you you watched uh, Ted Lasso, um, his assistant or his his the guy that's going to become his assistant, or, or maybe he has potential to become an assistant. You know what I'm talking about, Nick Muhammad? Like, like Coach or Nate? Nate, Nate, Nate is Nick Muhammad. That's actually his name. He has a show. He wrote Intelligence, and he stars in it oh, with David cool, David cool. Schwimmer. He's great. His comedic timing is out of this world, man. So, like, even if you don't, he I've been seeing him in a lot of stuff. He's in two Peacock shows. He showed up in two Peacock shows that I, I checked out. That's one, and then there's one about. Um, assassins that's a comedy from two people that want a british bake-off uh i know that sounds so weird uh, what a pitch what, what a, a pitch. pitch uh yeah but it's 
Nick Muhammad's coming up, man. Like he's he's a really funny guy, and he's in, incredible on Ted Lasso. But intelligence is is a you know it's kind of a run of the mill sort of premise. You know this guy um, David Schwimmer is um, at the NSA and gets sent to the UK government for something, and they're, they're not sure why he got moved to that department. But um, David Schwimmer's an asshole. And uh, Nick Muhammad's character is just kind of around him a bunch and reacting to his weirdness. His name is Joseph in the show. It's a good watch. Um, if, you, if you're looking for something to kind of snicker at, and it's, it's weird kind of humor. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. David Schwimmer is an asshole again. It's a lot of vulgarity in it, but it's, it's a fun show to watch. Um, so that's one. Um, I hate Susie. Billy Piper. Hold on, real quick. Hold on, real quick. I don't mean to cut you off, but since you mentioned Ted Lasso, can we just have the weekly mention that this is maybe the best show out oh, there right now? Oh <laughs> man, it's it's like it's amazing. It's so it's so perfect. This like, last I don't ep- I don't want to say that. This last episode, is. I almost bawled. With the oh, scene where he's outside. Yeah. yeah. Oh uh, man, I think because I, I think we're all kind of feeling like that right now. Yeah, I was like, oh god, I feel this. It's just a really well man. done show. It, it is, and it hits on a lot of different stuff. Man, it's just really well made. It's so fun. His energy it's is so yeah, so, it's, it's so positive. Yeah, it's too. so positive. Like, I, I, um, Something that yeah you don't see enough of it, unfortunately. But yeah, like I feel like every week it's 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 that show for Aaron and I, like you know of the weekly ones where we're literally like, oh, is it Friday yet? Is it Friday yet? Like yeah. we can't wait for the next episode. <laughs> oh, and it's like oh, are there two episodes left or three? I hope there's three. You know, it's like that mentality of it. But yeah, weekly it's like there's an amazing you know there's a bunch of amazing laughs and like there's heart and you know there's moments of you know real strong like the episode prior with you know the decision with him and his wife. Uh, like that, that stuff is it's and it's done so well. Like it's just, oh God, I love that show so much. Mm. But yeah, sorry. Oh, the cool. other show you were mentioning was what? Um, so Billy Piper, who was in Secret Diary of a Call Girl, Secret Call Girl, um, she hasn't done anything in quite some time. Um, yeah, and uh, she did this mini series called I Hate Susie. Man, this thing is like. <sighs> <laughs> It's out of this world, man. Like, so, you know, she she has range. And, you know, she showed a lot of it in Secret Diary of a Call Girl. And um, this is essentially, it's about a pop star named Susie Pickles. Susie Pickles has... Oh, I do know about this show. Nudes. Yeah. Her nudes leak on the internet. And chaos ensues. Um, it just is a really good dissection of... Um, ideas we have about people um, and your reaction to when something bad happens to you. Um, it just is a really cool show. I mean, it's, it's, it's really short. You know, it's like, I think it's six or seven episodes. The episodes are like a half an hour long. Right. Um, yeah, it's... She's really the only person that I know from the show. And um, this guy, Daniel Ings, who is in um, that show Lovesick about the guy that got an STD and he's trying to figure out who has it. He plays Luke in that show, Lovesick. Um, Yeah, so Cobb is her husband. He plays Cobb. And um, 
yeah, it's just about their relationship after these nudes leak. And you find out more about their origin and um, this pop star, this celebrity, but also this human is processing, having her business being put out into the world and how she's going to react to it. And she's a part of like a, like a Walking Dead sort of show at the time. Oh, nice. And it's like the most popular show on TV at the time. And she is dealing with everything that follows. And it's just a cool, cool, cool character study. And I have never seen anything done like it. It's interesting, man. Like, it's like, you between uh, Gangs of London and this and a couple other shows, I feel like London has this, this thing where they, they try to take these unique takes on the human condition that I just don't see in American TV. Um, and if you could find a way to see it, I hate Susie's a very, very good miniseries. So oh, two documentary two documentary shows I was gonna ask you about, Steve, because I know you're probably watching both of them. <laughs> Love fraud in, in in the vow. Yep. <laughs> All right. So let's start with Love Fraud. Because I think that show's a little like I think the production of it is a little crazy. And and by that I mean like um she feels a little overblown for the subject matter. You know what I mean? Like, it's right? Like yeah, I remember you were saying that. High-end yeah. special effects. They're at, they're throwing money at this thing. It's like original animations and all this like paper animation. It's 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 beautiful. Um, and I don't know if it matches the subject, but the subject is very tasty, very interesting yeah. show to watch. Um, about a man that is. <sighs> Faking his identity, I, I can't figure. I can't figure out what this has layers and levels to it. But this man is deceiving women um, all over the place and marrying them and taking their money. That seems to be the recurring thing. Um, it is. It is a weird, wacky ride, and all the characters involved are very interesting. So there's a website that got put up about this man, and. There's just an investigation that happens as a result that kind of yeah. sparked in it. You know, I don't want to give it all away, but it's it's a very, very entertaining doc. Yeah, I would say like in terms of sensational, like if you, if, you know, in terms of like the the Tiger King yeah. type of docuseries, like this is probably like this story is more sensational like that. And um, just the long game that he plays uh, or is, it you know, attempting to play uh, with this con that he has going on. Um, is just kind of, yeah, it's, it's, it's just wild. Yeah. You need to watch it though, to, to don't want to spoil anything. And I got to say, I got to say, I have a little, I have a little, uh, when you mentioned the production, I was like, what do you mean the production? Cause I, I'm a little biased because, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, the filmmakers behind the, the series, I think they did a whole series, but, um, Heidi Ewing and Rachel Grady are the filmmakers, and I when I used to work for Allied here in Baltimore, I was uh, I was able to work on a couple of their movies. M most importantly to me was a docu documentary they did a, a few years back called The Boys of Baraka. Oh, and, right, um, right, right. So they're 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 the filmmakers that did Love Fraud. So um, <laughs> the production, like the way they use animation, and like what you were just describing. Like that's kind of like a bit of their evolution as filmmakers. I've kind of seen over the years, but mm -hmm. um, yeah, it's 
it's it's really good it's it's like not enough people know about it like people know about the vow i think more and um because it's you know an hbo series versus a showtime series yeah and i think people just know more about that stuff or expose more to that stuff so this doc needs um, some love man it, it it feels like the tone of it feels like raising arizona like the tone of everything that's happening at the same these characters these people are you can tell that there's not a lot of acting. You know what I mean? Like yeah. putting on. Yeah. yeah. These are just genuinely interesting people. And seeing some of this guy's victims and the scale of it, you know, some of it is very funny and some of it is like atrocious, like the scale of the things that he's doing. And he's hiding in plain sight. Like it's just like this, yeah. uh, you know, it, this, 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 it seems to be a developing story. Um, uh, you know, and, and just seeing the way that it happens is really, I, I, we, we've watched a bunch of stuff, you know, and, and I haven't seen very many things that feel this visceral. I, I can't figure out why it feels so like, I want to be, I want to meet these people, but also like, right. Gotta find this guy. He fucking yeah. disappeared. These, these are yeah. good people. They probably have some yeah. weird views on something, but I want to yeah. see that they get some justice and um, just seeing these allegiances that start to form. It's, it's a cool documentary, man, about a, a, a mysterious man, a truly mysterious man, not even like fake. This guy is like, he's, he's a mystery. He's a mystery who took advantage of all these people. Yeah. Um, so that's one documentary. Uh, the, the vow. Um, what do you think about the vow, Steve? Are you? I mean, I, I again, I think it's great. I think it's one of the best things on TV right now in terms of uh, the docu series. Yeah. Well, especially among the docu series that we're talking about, I feel like this is a little more. Um, you know, it has a little bit of that. I guess that HBO prestige is a little more serious. Yeah. Um, as a topic and as you know, the crimes that kind of came out of it. Um, and admittedly, I didn't really know a ton about the whole, you know, the, the Nexium thing, um, outside of, you know, the girl from, uh, Smallville being involved in it when that got, when that all broke out. Um, but again, it, it's that kind of thing. The only, the only thing I'm wondering is, you know, I think I was mentioning this when we were talking about, uh, I'll be gone in the dark. It's like, I'm kind of curious how the length of the series, like I think it's going to be nine episodes or 10 episodes. Mm. Like if that is a good thing, uh, like if there's enough to say there, but I mean, I think all the episodes I've seen so far, I think I may be one behind, but, um, it's just these crazy real life thing. It's another example of, it's not even, you know, as mysterious as the guy we're talking about from love fraud. It's, it's, it's so in plain sight and it's just like people, become a part of it and participate in it. And like, you know, I think it makes me think about going clear, like the document about Scientology. It's like, it's in that same conversation of like, you watch some of the stuff and you're just like, how? Like, like the, you know, the, the moment, the situation that you're in as a, as a individual, as a person, like maybe you're, you're more inclined to want to belong to a group like this. Um, but just, you know, how these things exist in real life and how they've existed, how they, continue for so long until something happens so bad that they don't, you know, but things happen bad all along. It's just, you know, you wait for somebody to kind of separate themselves from this group to kind of blow the whistle. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, HBO, you know, they do it better than anybody, really, with these docu-series. Maybe, do. you know, them and Netflix. But, um, yeah, only four, I think four or five episodes into it, I'm definitely super engaged and learning a lot about this. Again, a thing I don't know a ton about beyond the headlines. But, um, uh, yeah, it's I'm, I'm definitely all in on both of the ones you just mentioned. Yeah. Um, I just want to mention a couple more shows really quickly. Yeah, go for it. Woke. Um on Hulu that's uh it's about a cartoonist uh Keith Knight that um gets attacked by police and it basically prompts this sort of awakening that he has It's like a mutant power is awakening. Yes, yes. That's that's exactly what it is. Wait, I need to be on top of this, I need to make statements. I need to, you know, not ignore the things that are happening around me. I mean, especially between his, he's got a black roommate and a white roommate and the way that they react differently based on their experiences to his kind of awakening. I mean, there's, there's some potential for really good comedy there. I don't know if I felt like the show was quite as smart as, as it could be, but I, but again, I've only seen a couple episodes, so it might really pick up. Yeah. I liked it, man. Um, I, I can relate on a lot of levels and um i mean i unfortunately I, I i got the awakening very young so um but i remember what it felt like if you know and when you realize it like maybe i should say something and every time that i'm expressing myself in 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 art it doesn't have to be really very heavy-handed but some some sort of hint that you 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 have an understanding of how the world works from your perspective or, or how, you know, that may differ from the way that people view it, which can help people calibrate their lives a little bit, you know? Like sometimes I mm-hmm. feel like that isn't emphasized enough. I, I, there's this weird thing where like I'm seeing things on screen I've never seen before. I've never seen someone have the, the, the responsibility or obligation to want to express something like that. It's just, Things I'm never, I've never seen in my entire life are being presented to me in TV form, right. and it's like I'm having an awakening, watching an awakening. It's <laughs> it's it's pretty crazy. So that's a good show, man. I, I, I what's his name? Lamar Morris. Yeah, Is that his name? Lamar Morris. I think it's Lamar Morris. Lamar Morris. Lamar Morris. He does do light comedy and kind of like character based comedy stuff pretty well, but he also is good at the more soulful side of this character where you start to see how it really does weigh on him. He even says to his friend at some point that he, he just didn't think that he was ever going to have to deal with that kind of racism. Um, and he said, well, who did you think was going to have to deal with it? And he was like, well, I th- thought you were going to have to deal with it, but I didn't think I was going to have to deal with it. I mean, again, and it's funny, but it is also, I can, I mean, I, I, I don't know if that rings true, but from the outside, it does seem like, wow, that must be an interesting kind of head trip. If right. you're a person who hasn't been negatively affected by all of this direct racism, do, you, what you do with that feeling, uh, I can't imagine. I mean, it, it seems like a crazy amount of pressure, uh, for a, for a single person to be under um and i guess that's what the subject of the show is is watching how he deals with that that pressure yeah it's it tackles it in you know in a cool way i mean i know that feeling man I, i've been put you know I don't, I don't have like a threatening presence energy up front so what that sometimes does is it the veil of kindness sometimes gets removed 
and there's this like, you know, we're, we're, we're the same. So I can share whatever I want to share with you about any anybody under the sun and all the hatred that I have for anybody because you seem like a nice person who wouldn't punch me in the face if I shared this with you. So I get like all this stuff. Like, I don't care how you feel about Mexicans or the wall or Trump or, you know, or Indian people or like, it's just like, it's a more toxic version of when guys walk up to me and ask if I know where to find weed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that that's exactly what it is. Where it's I'm I'm just like, okay, I'm you know, wish I could help you, buddy, but at the same time, like, why <laughs> why did you pick me? <laughs> but I also I think, you know, again, it, it happens it happens amongst you know, uh, like any group, there's that person who pulls you aside and what they say to you, they're revealing something about themselves by the fact that they chose to say that to oh, you. Right. And I, again, I can only imagine, I remember one time on this show, Steve and I were asking you if, if white people are just always weird. And you said, you said, yes, you said, you said, you guys do okay, but yes, it's always weird. But I can only imagine the things people feel okay to say in yeah. certain moments. And then you're, I don't know, I can't, I can't, I can't even fathom how uh, how the cringe factor of probably things you've heard or witnessed in your life uh, with with people who think you know it's strange they can let as you said they can let the veil down yeah, a little bit in front of you it's super strange um, but yeah woke is it, you know it's a conversation it's a it, it it will prompt a bunch of conversations and I really like what the you know his his roommates are doing as well uh, Blake. Anderson, who plays Gunther, I think he's he's an unsung hero of that show, and uh, as well as his other roommate, uh, what's his name? His his com he's a comedian, T. Murph from Chicago, Illinois. And then as a guy, I, I forget who he plays, but he you know his two roommates are very funny. Yeah, and, and particularly the uh, one that what's his name, Blake Anderson. Is that his name? Yeah. So Blake the, Anderson. the one that Blake Anderson plays, like play because he's white, it, it plays into that dichotomy of how the situation is going for one of them versus the other. In the situation where Lamorne uh or Keith, his his character, is is you know being abused by the cops for doing nothing, for being mistaken for someone who we later see and he looks nothing like him. And that's <laughs> it serves as a joke, but it's also like it just underscores how fucking unfair this is. But yeah, um Gunter is like getting in the cops' faces and, and poking them. And he even says, I grabbed one of them's wrist. I think I left a bruise and all this stuff. And it's like, again, play, <laughs> plays as a little bit of a joke, but the reality there is what they're commenting on, you know, that cuts pretty deep. So the fact that he yeah. can get away with that and not get gunned down. And here's, a, you know, you know, Keith was just minding his own business. And just because he's black, he's, he's, he's being pegged as the suspect. So, um, you know, I can only expect that, that kind of, that that's a good gimmick to have as far as, showing the difference between the way people treat this guy who's definitely into some shady stuff too. That's the other thing is that Gunter is like basically. <laughs> <laughs> he's so good, man. He, he's so good at this show. Um, but yeah, woke. Um, what else have you guys seen? I feel like I've been rattling off a massive amount of shows. Is that it for you? Um, I think so. Maybe I should cover the HBO show We Are Who We Are because I feel like that needs a little love. Um, so, Luca, oh, I'm going to try to. Guadagnino. 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 
So he did uh, Call Me By Your Name in 2017, a very popular movie. And then in 2018, a movie that I thought was going to kill Steve. And that is Suspiria, <laughs> 2018 Suspiria. Um, so this director, a lot of prestige. Um, he took on this project called We Are Who We Are. It's about two teenagers um, who are American on an American base in Italy. So the two stars that that you need to watch out for, uh, Jack Dylan uh, Grazer, he was in It, Shazam, Beautiful Boy. You know his face. Very good. He plays Frazier Wilson, and he is the son of Sarah, played by Chloe Sevigny. Am I pronouncing that correctly? I just, I just threw that out there. It's pretty good. And he had something is up with him. Uh, it's very, it's very um, apparent that he has some issues that he needs to iron out. I'm not going to say what they are, but you have not seen something like this on screen. I promise you, it is fucking crazy. Wow. Um, so that's one thing. And then he becomes very good friends with his next door neighbor on the base who is uh, Caitlin, played by Jordan Christine Sima, S Simone. Simone. Um, and her father is Kid Cudi, uh, a very popular rapper slash singer in the world. Oh, he was um, in Bill and Ted, too. He was in Bill and Ted That's as well. Right. That's cool. And um, this, 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 the tone of this movie is kind of like, remember those, when we first met, we were watching these like indie slice of life movies. There were like these pockets of movies that were just kind of like, I'm living in the world. Right. This is going to be no consequence to, to, to the story. This is just going to be a slice of life, half an hour of, of whatever is going to happen. Right. This is one of those shows. And, and it's strange because you think something should have consequences. They feel like they should have consequences. And it's just the end of the show. And some of it feels like that's because maybe... Life isn't always about something crashing at the end of, you know, at the end of it. I think it's meant to serve as kind of this look into the way that, you know, their pockets as teenagers that we had where we felt free a little bit. You know, before sure. things got super serious and you had to pay bills, you know, just having fun and living and drinking and going out and, you know having fun and and this show up into you know the 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 episodes that HBO got us were kind of these these sort of pieces of that um as Sarah in in um I'm sorry as uh, Frazier and Caitlin start to get very close um it's it's a cool show it, it's very unique it's beautifully shot um I don't know how they got this much access to this base I don't have no idea this is um, but seeing these kids function in the American base and then going out into Italy and kind of because it's 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 literally like this different world once sure. they pass this barrier um, is really cool. And seeing who people are in rank, because one of the bigger issues that, that that's uh, faced in this show is you who you put out for the world and who you are once you come back in the house. That's a big theme in this show. Right. Mm -hmm. And um, Frazier's house is a very big uh, point of conversation on the base because it's a lesbian relationship. Uh, Chloe Sevigny's character is married to a woman on base. And they're like, 
there's a lesbian on it. You know, it's just like in the midst of the trumping, the trumping and the trumping and all this stuff. And that stuff carries everywhere. You, I thought that it would, I thought that they wouldn't talk about it. But the Trump stuff's very present in Italy. Wow. Believe it or not. But this is a, it's a cool, cool show. I mean, it's artsy. It is artsy. It feels like a bunch of very small indie movies that you're watching every episode that kind of tackle a different thing. Um, these adventures that these kids go on. It feels like kids on an army base hmm. without all the consequence. Right. That's that's really what I describe it as. Yeah. And it's it's worth checking out, man. It's 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 a really cool show. I think it has something going for it. I don't know if it's gonna last, just because indie stuff is a little harder to, you know, that kind of feel. Mm-hmm. Is a little harder to sell. I did not even recognize that actor as Eddie from It until you. Oh yeah, yeah. It's like the first thing I noticed. Yeah, yeah. His hair's like blonde, and he's. I just mean I had not thought, and then that's the kid in Shazam too. I mean, I just for whatever reason did not draw the connection between those two performances. Even though now that I'm picturing, it's like yeah, of course. (laughs) He's a pretty good actor. (laughs) That kid, that kid has done more. More in the first, the last couple of years than a lot of actors and actresses have done in their whole careers. It's whoever's agent is. Well, whenever yikes. you see someone play a type like he did in It, and then you realize that that's not what he is. That he's not like a yeah. nerdy acting kid, or like Eddie was a bit. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that. That's I don't know. For some reason, it didn't occur to me until. And then I yeah, I'd seen the, the images for We Are Who We Are and seen the. Uh, you know the the character, and was like, "Oh, who's that?" And it, yeah, then when you said that or that that was him, and I looked at it while while you were talking, I was like, "Oh, wow, yeah, that's that kid." So um, okay, yeah, I see something here that he apologized to his fans for being caught smoking marijuana. So he's also oh. had his first scandal already. So I don't know when that <laughs> happened. Yeah, I feel I, I, that's not going to be the first time. I mean, the the the, the last time that that happens, uh, he has this edge to him. Um, that's in, really interesting that he kind of shows in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, man. But think, think, kids. It has like a real. That's what I. That's the vibe I got. Yeah. 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 And, yeah. I think that people are really like are really gonna like it. Cool. Well, I, I realized as I'm talking to you guys, I watched a, a ton yeah, of man. stuff. You watched a lot. You watched you, a lot of you're, stuff. You're, you're official you've source. Been busy, man. I've been keeping busy. <laughs> keeping busy by watching. <laughs> by watching stuff. it. <laughs> keeping busy. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. that's all I got right now. Same. Same. Reminder to anybody listening today that uh, we talked on prior episodes, Pen15 Season 2 is out now on Hulu, and Annabellum, mm-hmm. which we talked about a couple weeks ago, comes out on video on demand today. If you were interested in that, you can check that out. Um, if you haven't heard that episode, two episodes back, we talked about Annabellum, and last week we talked about uh, Pen15, if you want to go back and listen to the our thoughts on those uh, releases. Otherwise, um, we'll probably talk to you guys in a week, hopefully. We'll have seen Bill and Ted, we'll have seen Milan, and some other stuff between now and then. I'm sure there's a lot we'll see. Yes. Um, but we'll talk about that next week. Um, you can find us at movieshmovie.com, facebook.com slash movieshmovie, and our email for the podcast is movieshmovie at gmail.com. Um, mm-hmm. Do you guys have anything else that you want to throw in there real quick? Uh, stay positive. Uh, stay positive. Wash your butts. Uh, 
Watch Ted Lasso. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, be negative and wash your butts. <laughs> so, <laughs> so we've Keep canceled each other out. On. But one thing we agree on, we can come together on <laughs> yeah. a good, clean butt. Yeah, please. Also, keep your mask on, man. When you go outside, you wear your mask. Just be. It's simple. Just do it. Stop, stop being. We're talking about a second being wave. A pain in my ass, and just wear your damn mask. Just wear it. Stop being a jerk. God. God. I know. Oh well. Well. It's, yeah. That was yeah. episode two sixty nine of Movie Schmovie. We almost made it to the end of the episode without yeah. fretting about the state of the world. Yeah. I think it that's o- pretty it good. almost that's happened. We're, we're at that point where we almost. can almost make it. Yep. All right, cool. Well, we'll see you guys next week. And as always, you've made our day. Thanks. Bye.